0: Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. The words will be on the screen. You can follow along in your own Bible if you like. Listen for God's word to you today. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? He said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will put down, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, once again. It's nice to see you all here today. I want to say hi to those uh, worshiping online on Facebook Live or YouTube. Those listening to the sermon podcast later in the week. For all of you here today, it's nice to see you. It's a women's retreat weekend, so some of our ladies are out uh, worshiping in the in the mountains, and we are here together. It's it's good to be here today. We're in a sermon series right now where we are. Um, looking at what Jesus calls the greatest commandment, and we're, letting it, we're trying to let it sink in a little bit more for us. And so I'll put it up on the screen, and we can read it aloud together, just to practice it, just to get it going. So what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Good job. You know, there's different versions of that same teaching. So if you mumble it up a little bit, it's okay. As long as you get the main point. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're talking about this month in October. And so far we've talked about loving God with our heart, we've talked about being pure-hearted, open-hearted, honest with who, what we want to do. We, last week we talked about loving the Lord with our mind, and we had Greg Kutsona, our guest preacher, talking about science and technology and the intellectual way into faith. Today I want to talk with you about soul, loving the Lord our God with all of our soul. And initially I had asked Pastor Erica to preach on this topic, and she said, yes, Preaching about the soul sounds very esoteric, very theoretical, very hard to grasp. I'm sorry, I'll be at the women's retreat, can't be there. So we'll see what we can do, we'll see what we do today. The idea uh, about a soul as being a part of the human experience is not new. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, in that story about how God creates people, we read, we read it this way, that God took a lump of clay or dirt It's known as Adam, that's the word, and he breathed, God breathed life into it, the breath of life that animated it, and as he breathed this breath of the physical and God's spirit, it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that this creation of God became a soul, became a living being. The word in Hebrew is nefesh, and it's not really distinct from the body, and it's it's not really just the spirit it's when the body the physical and the spirit the breath of god come together that a soul a living being is formed god creates us as souls so let me start off by saying it this way everybody has a soul or maybe everybody is a soul everybody you might remember the stories from the titanic you know remember the titanic what happened to the titanic Oh, right, okay, so you know. Um, It was that unsinkable ship that took its maiden voyage across the Atlantic, and along the way, it hit an iceberg. I remember the moment in the movie. And if you saw it, you'll remember that they kept track, right, they had all these um, lists of who was on board, and there were men and women, high class and low class, there were servants and crew, there were all kinds of different nationalities. Everyone wanted to be on the Titanic when it crossed the Atlantic. But they didn't keep track of people by saying how many people were on board, how many men, how many women, how many servants, how many crew. The listing in maritime terms on a ship like that is souls. How many souls on board? The idea is that everybody, regardless of social rank or gender or place in this world, gets counted. Everybody's got a soul. Even in 19th century Russia, where they had a system called serfdom. Some of you are familiar with the serfs of Russia. The serfs were essentially slaves. They were tied to the land where they lived and worked. They could not leave. They could not quit. They were provided for, like food and housing, but they were passed on along with the land from one generation's owner to the next. They didn't count how many serfs there were. They counted how many souls. And I'm making the point this way because the biblical understanding of a soul, it it means that we have something inside of us that comes directly from God. It's something that gives us intrinsic value and worth. This means that serfs who are essentially slaves in Russia, or third-class passengers down the bottom of the Titanic, or Israeli citizens in their towns last week, or Children and mothers in Gaza right now all have souls, all have value, all have worth. All are created in the image of God. Church, say amen. 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 To talk about the soul is to talk about the deepest part of who we are, our truest self. It's a part of us that's just made that way, eternally significant. It gives each of us, each of us, a distinctive self. There's a rabbi named Joseph Telushkin who says that the soul is where our self-determination and free will are lodged. That's where it lives within us. That's why we're able to repent and seek forgiveness, because we can see in ourselves, not just in our minds, but inside of us, hmm, something's not right. I want to make it right. I want to seek the right thing. That comes from our soul. We're able to make decisions as a result. One researcher at Columbia University named um, Sheena Iyangar found that the average person makes about 70 conscious decisions every day. That seems a little light actually, but that's how they said 70 conscious decisions, which co- which adds up to about 25,000 conscious decisions every year, and if you go out 7 years or 70 years, let's say, that's 1.8 million decisions. And some of you are over 70, so you've made even more. And you add up all the decisions of your life, and it kind of is an indication of who you are. A person who is able to make decisions, a person who has a soul, who has selfhood, who is a person made in the image of God. All humans, and humans like us, we're distinctive in this capacity. We are soulful people, soulful creatures, who are able to think for ourselves, make decisions, determine right from wrong. Each of us has the divine spark within us. So, I want to try and show you why this matters from our Bible story today. Somebody comes in from the crowd and asks Jesus to settle a family financial dispute. One brother wants the other brother to give him a portion of the family inheritance, and we don't know all the details of what's going on. But Jesus seems to know people's hearts and minds and souls, and so he tells this story. He tells a story directed to someone who's kind of trying to get at the finances of the family. He says... The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And you've got to notice already, the man is already rich. He is a rich man. And he has land that is also producing abundantly. He's made a good investment. He's put all the time in, all the work. Great. But now, the rich are getting richer. This is the way of our world. And so this is a story about someone who has a lot, but is getting even more. And what will he do? The one who has a lot and is about to get even more. So, he, he has these crops. He has so many crops, so much stuff, he doesn't even know what to do with it. It's too much to fit in his barn. He has too many cars to fit in his garages. So listen, I'll read it again for you, and you count with me. Just count in your head how many times in the story the man uses the word I or my, okay? I or my. Ready? Listen, to you count. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said... I will do this. I will put down, I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is for those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. How many did you count? I heard 10, 11, 14. Some people are reading their own Bible. Very Protestant of you. Good job. Um, what's that? I don't know. I had 11, but I, you know, it's over under is like 11.5. So, um, a lot. The man, this man, is a human being, just like us. A soul, a self. He has an interior, internal dialogue with himself, kind of trying to think through what's the right thing to do. Notice this is not an animal instinct. You know, when someone attacks you and you can have the instinctual response, what are those three? Fight, flight, and freeze, right? This is not that. This is a deeper level of life. We are able to consider for ourselves how to live because we have a soul. The soul, here in the story, the word where he says to himself soul is suke. It's a Greek word, suke, like psychological, right? Suke. it means self. The soul is our deepest selves, created by God and given free will. So Jesus teaches, love the Lord your God with all your soul, and here's a picture of a person who's doing the exact opposite. He's loving himself. He's not loving God. He's thinking of himself. That's also a picture of that. The man in our story is, um, is self-centered. It's kind of like the guy on that bench, Okay. But the invitation that we have when we're following God in our lives is to let our souls love God, to let our souls be led by God, filled by God, turned with love toward God. That's the teaching from Jesus. So, like, how do we do it, or what is the meaning of this message for us? We're people who are seeking to love God with our truest selves, our souls, Um, but if we're honest, we often get that wrong, don't we? We We find ourselves loving other things more Our souls are sometimes weary or tired out or distracted or desiring the things of this world more than any other. So I don't know about you, but for me, I think about kind of Sunday morning worship and coming to church on Sunday as a chance for me to check in with God, for me in my own soul to be in the presence of God. You can do it anywhere. You can do it anytime, but for me, coming to church says Time to check in with the Lord, Time to come close to God, time to be open in a different way. During the week, we can easily get out of whack and feel distant from a life with God, and our, our souls need a chance to be filled again. There's a great line um, that I, I came across this week from John Wooden. You remember John Wooden? They called him the Wizard of Westwood. He was a coach, basketball coach at UCLA um, who won 10 national championships in 12 years, which is like could never be done today.) Um, and this is, what, this is what he once said. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Mm. And our souls, or our inner selves, is like that. On the outside, we can project and be anything we want somebody else to see us as or to be. But on the inside, our souls are waiting and wanting and to be watered by the love of God. That's what we're made for. And if we want to follow Jesus' instruction about loving the Lord your God with all your soul, then we need to let our souls be loved by God. You need to let your soul be open to the love of God, which is on offer. Coming to worship like today where we sing and pray and we hear the scripture, we are reminded who we are and how we're meant to live. The man the Bible story that we just read, on the outside, he's doing great, he's rich, he's successful, he has all the stuff he needs, he has more than enough, wow. But on the inside, he's confused, isn't he? He's mixed up. He's not right with God and right with others. John's Wood, John Wooden's reminder, is to pay attention to the inside, our character, who we are, and let it flow from there. So when I was in high school and college a long time ago, I was learning Spanish, to try and speak Spanish, and uh, I used to have this habit when I was studying Spanish. I would speak under my breath to myself, and I would like, kind of say the words of what I wanted to say before I said it out loud. Do you know what I mean? Like I was kind of practicing it or almost rehearsing it to see how it sounded, just to myself. Does that sound right? Is that the right thing to say? And then, after I did that, I would say it out loud. First to me, just to me, then out loud. And I wonder for you today if a sermon about a soul, about your soul, about loving God with all your soul, can be that way, can invite you to say, let me come to God with my insides, just for me, before I then respond on the outside. Maybe you need to take some time this week just to talk to yourself under your breath not for anyone else to overhear not for the whole church but just to check in with your own soul to ask real questions like this where have i gotten off track this week where have i been selfish or hurtful where have i made wrong decisions where do i need to honestly bring those things to god and when you do that within yourself first it helps make it real In my Spanish practicing, once I'd said it a few times under my breath, I felt more ready to say it out loud. Within your own soul or your own self, you can do the same thing. What do you need to ask God about today? How can you open yourself to God's presence and love, God's forgiveness and new direction this morning? The good news of the gospel, as Steve gave it to us today, is always some version of the same thing. In Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven. The old is gone, and the new is here. Your soul is precious in God's sight. There's nothing from your past, not even from this past week, that can hold you back or keep you away from God. So I invite you to open yourself as we finish worship today, to let your soul experience God's love and be strengthened for the living of your faith this week. The man in the story said to his soul, soul, I am self-sufficient. I've gotten myself everything that I need, but for you and me, our calling is different. We We are asked to say to our souls, soul, let's come close to God again. Soul, let's receive the love of God again. Soul, let's live our lives in grateful response to all that God has given us and done for us. May all the souls say, Amen.